and immediately, without ever seeing what it looks like to see a grizzly that's hunting, I knew without a doubt that that thing was looking for me. We meet Plano resident Greg Matthews and hear the gripping story of his near-death encounter with a grizzly bear. Next on Plano Podcast. Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm your host, Tammy Hooker. And I'm producer Mary Jacobs. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside of Plano and just outside of what you might expect. Meet Greg Matthews in person and you might think he's just another Plano dad. But he's also the survivor of a horrifying bear attack. My name is Greg J. Matthews and I am the author of Wild Awakening. Greg's book tells the story of how he was mauled by a grizzly bear and found unexpected emotional and spiritual healing as a result. In 2015, Greg and his brother embarked on a long-planned hunting trip in the Alaskan wilderness. They're not trophy hunters. Greg's brother and his family live in Alaska, and he hunts to keep the family's freezer stocked. But Greg is someone who has always sought adventure. I spent 21 years in the fire department. I uh, worked at the World Trade Center for three and a half weeks. I was also a rescue helicopter pilot, a fugitive recovery agent, and one of the Homeland Security managers for the city of San Diego. And then from there, I uh, protected the whole uh, naval footprint in San Diego uh, as the anti-terrorism officer. And at the time that I went hunting, I was the anti-terrorism officer for um, the Southwest Division of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. On that fateful day, Greg and his brother were hunting for moose. They took positions a few hundred yards apart while his brother started calling for moose. About 15 minutes into that third hour of calling, um, I see movement off to my left. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my heart starts to race. I start my... I can feel myself starting to breathe heavy. I'm excited. I'm starting to shake a little bit because I know a moose has come in. And so I'm not looking at it, but I hook my release up to my bow and I turn and I draw the bow back. And there, about 35 to 40 yards at the confluence of these two trails, is a 600-pound, eight-and-a-half-foot grizzly. And this grizzly has... It's got the head the size of a, like a five-gallon bucket, is all I can explain. And it's sweeping its nose very methodically left and right with its nose in the air. And immediately, without ever seeing what it looks like to see a grizzly that's hunting, I knew without a doubt that that thing was looking for me. And so at that point, my first thought, I was really scared. I mean, I'd just be flat out honest to you. I was terrified. And then this big black lip curled up from the bottom of its jaw and the ears laid flat and then all the hair stood up on its back and it started charging me. So you can imagine this thing looks to me, it looks like a pickup truck coming through the woods. Greg grabbed his rifle and waited until the bear was just a few yards away. I fired a 300 Winchester Magnum with a 200 grain bullet right in its face and it didn't even phase it. It it leaped with its mouth open to bite my face and all I had was the rifle so I held it up like a bayonet and it hit it in the mouth 
and the rifle bounced back and hit me in the forehead. And as I was starting to fall, the bear lowered its head and then plowed right into my chest. Knocking the wind out of me, it slid across the top of me and then spun around and put both paws on my shoulders. And then the first bite was right to my face. And it, uh, it tore a hole in my throat about the size of a tennis ball and then bit all the way through my cheek and my gums and my jaws and then split my face down the left side. From that point on, my face, it exploded with blood and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see for the rest of the mauling, which lasted about, about two minutes. If your listeners want to understand what two minutes is like with a grizzly chewing on you and dragging you, just look at that if you have a sweep second hand and just let that thing go around twice and think how much damage that thing can do. Um, it bit through my arm, bit through my leg, it picked me up by my back, it started dragging me into the brush. It was, uh, and I was screaming, my brother said I was making noises that were inhuman. Um, so there was nothing brave going on. I was, I was, uh, I was fighting for my life. And so, uh, after being drugged and with the, my legs still in its mouth, I finally heard my brother coming up, and his, his voice would fade in and fade out. I couldn't see. My ears were ringing, having trouble hearing, but the bear had, because I tried to kick it, and it caught my leg in midair and bit down right down on my, right below my knee. And so he said when he got up to the bear, when he turned, and I felt the bear turn with my leg in its mouth, he said the bear's head was completely covered in my blood. Greg's brother ran up and shot two rounds into the bear. It still wasn't dead, but it stopped the attack and ran away. Then his brother turned to see if he could save Greg, who was blinded by all the blood from the mauling. I've seen a lot of dead people, okay? So I know what trauma looks like. I understand what happens with trauma. And uh, I told him, I said, uh, I said, I think I'm dying. And uh, he wasn't having anything to do with that. So he, he basically, uh, I was able to help him to understand what to do. I walked him through what he needed to do without being able to see my injuries. He described them, and I, I told him what to do. And then from that point on, um, uh, you know, you really can't tell this story without talking about the miracles that took place also. Um, it's, uh, yeah, you can't tell the story without talking about God and, and how he showed up and, and a lot of the different things that happened. It's just physically it's not possible. to survive. I lost way too much blood to be able to, to, be able to mentate uh, and to be able to be uh, able to think through things. And then, of course, let's not forget the wonderful, um, I had to walk out a mile and a half after that back to the boat. Uh, I collapsed twice on the way out. My brother came and prayed over me, and, and God saw fit to, to give me the strength to make it back out of there. Greg was airlifted to a nearby hospital, where he underwent six and a half hours of surgery and received 300 stitches. If you look at him today, the scars are barely visible. But Greg says that the real miracle of the whole story is the healing that followed. And that healing relates to a wound that Greg had experienced many years before, when he was just eight years old. My dad was a California High Patrolman, a Marine, and also did a full career with NCIS. So he was kind of an alpha male, and, 
and kind of, he was definitely my hero. One day, um, he was carrying out some boxes to his car and we're out playing wiffle ball out in the front yard and we saw him carrying the boxes and we're like, hey dad, can we help? And so of course it becomes a race because we all want dad's approval, right? So uh, it's a race back and forth, who's helping dad the most? And um, it was, uh, yeah, it was just very interesting because when we finished, we all kind of not lined up in formation, but we all lined up to, you know, to figure out who who helped the most, who was going to get dad's praise. And I remember him walking out with that last box and he walked around the car, kind of had his head hung down and uh, he came to the door of the car, he opened the car and put the box in and he wasn't looking at us. And I was, all I remember saying is, um, dad, and he wouldn't look up. And then he finally, I saw him take a deep breath and then he finally looked up at us and uh, he says, you, you know, you know that you boys, that we love you. Your mom and I love you very much. But uh, um, we, uh, I'm not going to be living at home anymore. And so what happened at that point is my brother Shane, the middle brother, he just immediately started crying and, and begging my dad not to go. Inside, I was screaming it, but I couldn't say it. I'm eight years old. I'm trying to process what I just heard, but all I can focus on is my whole foundation of who I was as a person at eight years old it was completely destroyed. It disintegrated. It was like I was in quicksand. And so um, basically right then and there, I told myself that one of the hard things was as he was going away, I was convinced it was something that I did wrong, that I was um, to blame for this. And I can remember saying in my mind, I promise I'll be good. And saying that as he's driving away and thinking, you know, it's too late. He's already made his decision. That, and then I knew that I, it was my fault. For whatever reason, that's how an eight-year-old boy processed it, was it was my fault. And so from that point on, I just laid a bunch of lies over my life that, you know, I was unlovable, I was unworthy of, of being loved, that there was nothing good inside, and that the reason that our family fell apart and my dad left was because of something I did and that he didn't love me anymore. And so... um you can, you can imagine you take on those types of lies as a child and realize that if dads can leave, anybody can leave. And I put that same thing on God. It's like, I don't trust anybody. I will never let anybody that close to hurt me like that again. All those careers he'd pursued, all those adventures he had sought, even that trip out into the Alaskan wilderness originated in that day in that wound that the eight-year-old Greg had experienced. And yet somehow, that near-death encounter with the grizzly was the beginning of Greg's healing. The big question is when they begin to read is, how can something like this bring healing? And um, I can tell you, I was just as surprised as anybody else when they read the book of how significant scars and significant trauma to my mind and my heart through a grizzly attack can equate to to healing. But um, that father wound that carried, that was, that was an awful burden. I mean, if, it's hard to imagine and explaining it now. It seems 
it seems impossible, the things that, that I had to accomplish and make me feel like I'm lovable to the rest of the world and that I'm accepted, that there's some value in Greg. Well, I'm finding that true purpose and fulfillment in life, no matter who it is, rests in those deep, intimate relationships with you know, my wife and my kids and uh, you know, with God. And if you can imagine the, the things that with you know, 21 years in the fire department, I have been to everybody's worst day. Things that you can't even imagine seeing or having to do or you know, being a rescue helicopter pilot or working at the World Trade Center where you know, we're pulling you know, wheelbarrows full of shoes with feet still in them. I mean, there's, I've, all of those things were done with the intentions of helping people because I could love them at a distance and not have relationship with them because I knew what it felt like to have that much pain in my life and I wanted to be there because I couldn't think of somebody going through what, uh, what I had felt, that pain. And so I wanted to help people do that, but I didn't want relationship. I didn't want to get close to him. Greg's relationship with his father had always been strong and it was deepened by the near tragedy in Alaska. His father flew up to Alaska, and brought him back to Texas. And so um, we have never been more close than we are today. My, um, but the thing is, I can, I can rest in his love and no longer have to be wearing myself out mentally or wearing my heart out wondering if I've done enough to be loved because I can't repeat the things I've already achieved because that's old news. That's yesterday. The freedom that I have now and the intimacy that I have with, with God and my wife and my kids and those relationships, it's unbelievable. And so I'm, I will tell everybody about what has happened to me just for that simple reason, because I, I want people to, to have that healing. People do not talk about those things. That word I was looking for is called arrested development. You will remain arrested in that point in your life until you press into that pain and you're able to talk with someone or journal or something to get it out. I would just say, be honest with yourself about the pain that you have and know that those wounds, they can be healed and, and, and you can actually move through them to where you will not have... The pain, I don't think it ever goes away completely, but you, get, you become at peace with it and you're able to, to not let it define you. There's something that happens between the brain, the heart, and the pen when you write stuff down. Men are terrible about journaling. Terrible. I think women are a lot better. I'm jealous of women so much in the sense of you can be at a table for 15 minutes and pretty soon you are sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. And man, it is like pulling teeth. And I used to be like that, but now they're looking at me like, oh, really? You want to talk about that? But you know what? I, t I guarantee you when you start talking about these things that there is healing when you press into that pain. When you bring that stuff to the light, it takes away the sting. I have a close group of men that I meet with that um, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about our marriages. We talk about, you know, we talk about hunting and fishing, but it's focused on just living a quality life. 
And what I will tell you is we have found the power in being able to be transparent with each other. And so finding somebody close to you that you can trust and somebody finding the courage to share something about themselves, it resonates courage amongst others that they begin to be willing to share those types of things. The book is called Wild Awakening, How a Raging Grizzly Healed My Wounded Heart. And it was published by Simon & Schuster. It's available wherever books are sold. Um, It's a, I don't know how, but it is a new release bestseller on Amazon for men's issues and mountain climbing, which is kind of strange. I think some adventure people are out there. But I will tell you that um, all of my reviews are from women. And they absolutely, they, they love it. And I don't know how to respond to um, the positive affirmations that are coming back. But as long as I know that people are, are beginning to heal from stuff that, that maybe has been hidden, then, then I'm good with that. Whether it's one, 100 or 1 million, it doesn't matter to me. I never thought I would make it out of there alive. And I never thought that I would have the opportunity to live that I was begging for just one more day just to tell my wife and my kids how deeply I love them and that, that I was sorry that I, and they may not even, you know, my kids, oh, that's all right, Daddy, we love you. But the fact is that I know that my heart, they only had a, a small percentage of my heart because I was pursuing things that was trying to make me feel whole inside and so they they'd never tell you that but they suffered from it because I yeah I just was not um I was in the house but I wasn't present so I was absolutely given back my life and then coming back to you know it's interesting going from the wilderness and then getting off a plane and bandages and and driving the the mixer and everything else of the freeways and then getting back to Plano, walking into your house. And uh, it's a whole new perspective and a whole new lease on life. And, and I want to tell your listeners, it, it doesn't have to take something that dramatic. You don't have to. Don't wait until that point where you finally realize where you want to invest you know, your heart and your mind and, and your resources, because all that empty stuff, the, you know, I've heard so many men talk about, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and, and, you know, I need to make more money so we can go on vacations and, and do all this. I guarantee that if you ask them, they would just ask for dad's time. I really just want to help people navigate through this because there is so much joy on the other side. Thank you, Greg, for sharing your incredible story of healing. And thank you for listening to this episode of Plano Podcast. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast, Tales of Curiosity and Character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to support us on Patreon and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback, ideas, and comments our way. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.